AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. This is Kelly Henderson, and you're listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. This week, my guest was the most requested guest I have ever had to come back on the VE podcast. I mean, this is of any guest that I've ever had. You guys wanted this guy back the most. It is a financial planner and president of Burke Financial Group, Daniel Burke. The last time Daniel was on the podcast, we talked about saving money at any income level and the easiest and most feasible ways to do that. So this time, I polled everyone who follows me on the Velvet's Edge Instagram account. It's at Velvet's Edge for those of you who don't. But the biggest question that you guys sent me was, how do we get out of debt? So Daniel and I covered that topic. We talked paying off debt over saving and which order you should focus on the two, and also when and how you should start saving for your retirement. We also talked about more fun things like buying a house and also how to still enjoy life while being responsible financially. Here's our conversation. Okay, so I'm so happy to have you back. Do you know that you were one of the top podcasts that I got more emails about? People were like, I have so many more questions. Oh, I'm honored. I'm honored. That's amazing. Thank you. People need to know about what to do about money, I think, is the deal. They do. You know, there's a lot of um, information circulating out there from websites to TV to friends and family and all that kind of stuff. So it can be tough to know, you know, what's valid versus someone's opinion. So uh, I completely understand all the questions. And I think it's one of those things, too, where it's, kind of a case by case scenario, right? 100%. Like everybody's life is so different. So 100%. it doesn't seem like there's some blanket answer that works for everybody. But yeah, yeah. we'll do our best to try to answer some of those today. So I put up on Velvet's Edge on my Instagram at Velvet's Edge. Um, what do you guys want to know? And one of the main topics is debt. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, and that's a, something that a lot of Americans struggle with credit card debt being one of them. Yep. And then student loan debt no, was a huge one that I got questions about. I mean, it's awful. It's awful. We, um, you know, do a lot of research and read a lot of articles and you hear all these speculations of what is the next housing bubble, you know, coming off 2008 and 2009. Right. Um, and student loans, I think is one of the the big ones that comes up. I know auto loans is another one that people are really? worried about. Uh, it seems to be at a very high rising rate, but, um, let's touch on the credit cards first. Cause okay. I think that's, that's super important. So, 
Um, you know, credit cards, it's funny because credit is, is in today's society a necessary evil. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got to have some kind of credit or credit score to be able to uh, borrow money in some capacity. But we also don't want to be completely reliant on our credit score. So there's a, a balancing act that you have to have there. We've got clients that, uh, funny story, one client is, I want to say 55 or 60 years old okay. and literally inherited uh, millions of dollars from a family <laughs> member. And uh, it's funny, they were going to uh, purchase a home and do some other things and had zero credit. They had never borrowed Seriously? money, nothing. Yeah, they um, had millions of dollars. Yeah, millions of dollars. Wow. And so they couldn't get uh, you know money from the bank um, or at, at a reasonable rate. So wow. um, the credit score, let's talk about some of the components. So you've got multiple factors that go into your credit score. You've got uh, the number of, of accounts open or the lines open. You've got what we call your credit utilization score. Okay, that one's pretty important. What that one says is, let's say you had five credit cards. Okay. And let's say the balance was $2,000 each. It was the limit that you could put on each one of those. And between those 10 credit cards, your, your total utilization was $10,000 that you could put. 2,000 on each card, so two times five. Um, and let's say you had 20, or not 20, $2,000 of outstanding balance on those credit cards. That would give you a 20% utilization score. Okay. So you typically want to try to leave your credit utilization score under 30%. And so um, my, my kind of recommendation on that is this is where it can be tough to manage if you've got 10, 15 credit cards. And right. we've seen a lot. You know, you you go to one store and they say, hey, if you sign up for a credit card, you'll get 15% off this purchase. So you're like, oh, that makes sense. So you take out, you know, uh, a Macy's card. Right. And then you go purchase some furniture and they say, hey, this is 0% for the next 24 months. Do you want to take out a credit card? Oh, great. Yeah, that's perfect. So now you got another credit card. And all of a sudden you look up and you've got 10 to 15 credit cards. And so what that can do is that can mess with that utilization score. Okay. So there's a balance between having credit, having mm -hmm. uh, credit cards and not having too many credit cards. Right. So what do you, what is a number that you would recommend oh, for people? Man. Um, you know, it, or even just like a, a small range. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you 10 know, to 15 sounds like a lot it to me. Is, it is. There's no, for me, there's no perfect answer. Um, I think about manage, uh, you know, what's easy to manage. So sometimes two to three, I think is yeah. reasonable, Yeah. but you know, I kind of go, have to go back and say, why, why do we need more, right. um, you know, credit cards, you know, sometimes you want to try to figure out. Um, maybe you're a big traveler and so, you know, a Southwest card or mm -hmm. one of these other cards might be really good to accrue points in that way. Or you might just say, you know what, the cash back is nice. So find a credit card that kind of fits, you know, the best rewards program for whatever you're looking to accomplish. Right. Um, I think that's first and foremost. But the second thing is you also then want to look at, okay, what am I going to be purchasing that credit's very important coming up here. Okay. So for example, if you say my car is pretty new, I'm not going to be buying a house for a while. There's not really any big purchases that I'm going to need to, um, you know, run my credit and borrow money for, then it's, that's a great time to try to clean up your credit score. And the reason being is because if you start closing accounts at a rapid rate, that can negatively affect your credit score because mm -hmm. it messes with that utilization score. Oh, okay. And so, you know, we'll have clients that sometimes get in trouble because they think they're doing the right thing and they are by canceling a bunch of credit cards that they didn't use and they're trying to clean everything up, but it actually affects their score. And then they go to borrow for a house or a car and then their credit score or then their um, interest rate is even higher. And so it's just a fine balancing act. God. So it's a great thing to do after you've purchased a house or okay. after to try to clean those things up and, and, and just hone in on what's important to you. 
Um, but there's so many factors that go into it. It can be exhausting and there's multiple credit agencies. And so you can have a different number at each credit agency. Um, but you know, credit, once again, is a necessary evil, but not in excess. You, know, you right. can't go crazy on it. Well, that's what, I mean, you before, we think we've talked about it when I said like, is using a credit card bad at all? And you're like, no, it's not bad at all, but it's about balancing it. So what's happening that you see where people are just either getting in too much trouble debt wise or just overusing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of comes back to some just basic financial principles, if you will, of number one, we don't have the cash on hand. Okay. So let me explain what happens here. Um, you know, let's say you have a thousand dollars in the bank and that's all you have to your name and, uh, something happens and, you know, a, a vehicle repair issue or a health right. concern or something. And so guess what? If you only have a thousand dollars in the bank and the engine blows up on your car and you've got to go buy a new car or, or get the repair bill, where's it going to go? Only one place credit card. Okay. And now you've got a large balance on a credit card that you're just trying to service that monthly interest on, mm. which on a lot of credit cards is up to 29%. And so now you're paying 29% interest. Okay. And that thing's accruing faster than you can pay it off. And you've got just this little bit of money in the bank and it's just vicious cycle that you can never, you know, catch up. Yeah. And so the key to it is number one, attacking that debt ferociously until you can pay it off or, or get it down extremely because of how high that interest rate is. And then number two, then you've got to, you know, just like it's, it's religion, you've got to focus on building up cash mm -hmm. because if you don't have that cash on hand, that cycle is just going to happen over and over and over right. again and you'll never get ahead. Well, that's about two people. There's two separate things that got brought up to me. One girl said, um, she's paying a little more than her minimum balance even yep. to get it down. But she's like, why does it feel like it's not going anywhere? But that is exactly why yeah. the interest is just it adding is. on there. It is. And, and, and all those rates, you know, vary. Some are, yeah. you know, as low as five to 8%. Some are as high, like I said, to 29%. Uh, but it's just amazing at how fast those things can accrue. And, and you feel like you're doing the right thing by making those payments and you're trying to do it, but they're growing faster than you can pay them off. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, what you want to look at there, number one, I always encourage people if, if, you know, you took out the debt, you need to do everything you can to pay down the debt. Um, but if something happens and you know, you say, you know what, um, I can't pay this anymore. Trying to negotiate with that credit card company is always a good, you know, manner to call them up and say, listen, my, my income's taking a hit or I don't have income right now. Um, you know, but I've got a thousand dollars, you know, I could put some money towards this or $500 or whatever the case may be. So that's one way is to call and try to negotiate it down. What do you uh, mean? Negotiate the rate down? Negotiate rate down? the rate. You could negotiate the balance of the debt. Really? Yep. They'll do yep. that. You can try to do that. Huh. If, if the situation's, uh, you know, dire enough. Okay. Um, a lot of times they won't do that until there's been, you know, months of inactivity on the account. Oh, so you're not it. paying it, Yeah. which yeah. comes back to hurting your credit score. But if you're at a point where you don't think you can afford the credit card payments, I would just forget about your credit score. Let's just try to get yeah. you out of debt and yeah. then we'll rebuild the credit over time. So that's number one. Number two, you can, if you're in a good you know, financial situation, you can look at consolidating that debt. We'll have some clients that, you know, interest has been accruing on a certain credit card and they're paying it down and their income's good. But, um, you know, what we'll do is look at uh, trying to find a 0% balance card for 12 or 18 months, do a balance transfer from right. a high interest, you know, card over to that one. I don't, I don't love that just from a standpoint of, I feel like we're just kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm okay with it. If they say, yes, we're serious. We're going to pay this off. Might as well not pay interest over the 12 months we're paying this off. Right. And so that works, but you've got to have, you know, good credit to be able to transfer that balance over. 
Um, and, and consolidations can be fine too. The biggest thing on consolidations, and, and this might be a good segue into student loans, is you've got to make sure your consolidated rate is uh, less than you know the average date or average balance of the the rest of the credit cards. So it, it can be hard to tell what the average weighting is. So let's say you had one credit card that was at 12%, another one that was at 6%, another one that's at 20%. Well, we need to see what the balances are in each one of those to see what the weighting is across those interest rates. And so for us, and, and you can type into to Google, you know, what is the what is my average weighted interest rate on a credit card? And they'll let you put in different balances and different interest rates. Uh, but you've got to make sure consolidating all those debts is going to give you a less overall interest rate. Oh. Sometimes people do it for simplicity purposes just yeah. to get the three to five, you know, to one, which is fine. But maybe their interest rate went up. Right. And so that, that kind of defeats, defeats the, purpose. the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, another thing I wanted to touch on, and then I do want to talk about student loans, but a lot of people said, what, what is more important paying off my debt or saving? Because, you know, I think we're all so wired to think about, especially as you get older, starting to save for retirement and all of that stuff. But if you still have credit card debt, I think I know your answer is you got to get rid of the debt. Got to get rid of the credit card debt. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's without a doubt. Um, and, and this philosophy could be argued by different people. Okay. Um, my philosophy when it comes to debt, you know, there's different types of debt. We've got credit card debt, okay, which in my opinion is one of the worst. Um, you know, you've got, I guess you've got payday loan debt. You've got all those, everything that's super high interest. And what I would consider super high interest rate is anything over eight to 10. Okay. So that's a good rule of thumb. So if you've got debt that has an interest rate of anything above, you know, seven, 8%, somewhere in that neighborhood, we really have to focus on that okay. before we start building up savings. Now, a little bit of cash reserve is good, you know, maybe 2,500, five grand, but, um, trying to focus on retirement or, or saving large sums of money to buy a house when you're, you know, got money flying out the back door to 15% interest on a credit card right. doesn't make any sense. It's counterintuitive. Right. Now, uh, debts that I am more comfortable with paying off systematically over time, car payments. Okay. Um, I'm fine with student loans. I'm fine with housing, those types of debts, because they're typically lower interest. We can amortize that over a course of you know, three to 30 years, depending mm -hmm. on what the debt is. And so I'm more comfortable with those, but anything above seven to 8%, just attack that. Like that's, that's the only thing that matters. Okay. Well, so now let's talk about student loan Yes, because that is a huge thing for, I know for a lot of people my age that they're still paying those off. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So what's the deal? What so, do you do? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, our practice is, is fortunate enough to work with a lot of people that are high income earners that typically come with a lot of student loan debt. Really? Um, a lot of medical professionals right. and, and that debt we see anywhere from, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars. We've got one client that has almost eight hundred thousand dollars just in student loan Jesus. debt, uh, which is you know uh, graduating with a very nice house. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, luckily, we've been able to consolidate and get the interest rate down mm -hmm. to, uh, to where it's it's more manageable. I think they're uh, upper threes to low fours somewhere in that neighborhood. However, it's still just a ton of money. Yeah. So with student loans, number one, first off, I don't know if there's anyone listening to this podcast that, um, you know, maybe as a high school student or someone, you know, uh, early in their college career, freshman year, somewhere along the, those lines, what I would encourage you, and this is something that, that my parents told me early on, and I'm, I'm super appreciative for it. Make sure that the degree you're deciding on, uh, as far as your major goes, 
is it aligns with the student loan debt that you're taking out. Okay? What do you mean? So, so this is something, and, and once again, this is not to upset anyone. Um, we've got some clients that uh, have a have a degree that only pays them maybe forty to fifty thousand dollars a year. Oh, I see. What and you're they saying. knew that that degree was only going to pay them forty to fifty thousand dollars a year, yet they went to an Ivy League university. Okay? Got it. And, and now we have two hundred fifty thousand dollars of debt with something that is, let's say a master's degree or doctorate that's still really good, but is only gonna pay them fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year of income. And so it's gonna be so hard to climb out of that, okay? Um, so that's number one, make sure your degree can support. So if I have a physician that has 300,000 of student loan debt, but they're making $500,000, right. I'm okay with that. Okay? Yeah. I hate that they've got the debt, but we can work out of it right. and make that happen. So that's number one. Number two is, uh, you know, once you're in the trenches, it's your sophomore, junior year, you're in, you know, graduate school or residency, uh, the debt's already there. Okay. We're going to deal with it. We'll make it work. Not that big a deal. What we have to decide is a couple things. Number one, do we want to look at some kind of student loan forgiveness program? Um, and those are out there and that's a whole different animal that, that we deal with a lot at. Um, number two, do we want to just pay this thing off systematically? Okay. Um, so looking at paying it off over a course of 10 or 15 years at the given interest rates or number three, do we want to try to do like a consolidation or refinance of those student loans? Okay. And that's a really good option right now. And the reason I say that's a really good option is because rates are so low. Yeah. I have been saying rates will never be this low ever again. I've been saying that for like six years now. So I'm really? looking like a hypocrite, but they've been so low for so long. Yeah. We, we saw them tick up last year at the beginning uh, of 2019. And uh, we said, all right, this is, you know, the beginning of rates taking off. And then they, they came back down. The Fed started adjusting rates again. So, um, you know, depending on your credit score, you right. know, your income amounts, your profession, all those types of things, we're getting some people that are refinancing to the high threes right now, uh, which is a great interest rate for the student loan. So it makes it very manageable to pay that debt off in a reasonable time frame while still not sacrificing being able to buy a house and do other things. Um, you know, whether or not you want to go completely full focused on just paying off debt, shut off all retirement savings and purchasing a house till that's done. That's a super dedicated approach and that's phenomenal. Okay? Yeah. There's nothing against that. But most people still want to live, you know, some type of life to where they can uh, maybe not extravagant travel, but still go on a few trips, you know, here and there and, and maybe still purchase that first home and some mm -hmm. other things. And so refinancing that debt to where it's manageable and then paying it off systematically over a course of five or 10 years is a great, great philosophy. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. 
kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot Okay, so you mentioned buying a house, and I think you know a lot of times when people have debt, you don't, you just think, well, I can't do this or whatever. So if you set up your plan, let's say, and you're paying off your debt, what are your thoughts on buying versus renting while you're doing that, or is it super important? Just you know, a lot of people say. Well, I used to rent actually, and people would say, "Well, you're just throwing money away, yeah. so you might as well buy something because then at least you're putting money into an investment." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, let's go back to the uh, the original piece, which was kind of the savings portion. So okay. if you have you know those high interest debts that I talked about, you know seven to eight percent plus, um, I really. I don't think it's it's a priority to try to get in the house until you get those things paid okay. off. It's just really, it's kind of the cart before the horse. So you need to set up a plan and set up a time frame and set up a payment amount, okay? Remember, if you keep score, the score gets better. So if you just want to try and, you know, pay this thing off as money comes in and there's no mm-hmm. real plan behind it, you're never going to pay it off. I can, I can promise you that. But if you say, no, nope, I'm going to put $500 a month towards it for the next 12 months and then that'll pay it off and then I can start saving, that's how you have to attack these things. So if you want to start saving for a house, uh, we always encourage encourage anything when it comes to savings or investing, you have to automate that savings, okay? Tell us what you mean. So automating the savings is, you know, setting up an automatic bank draft to a separate account that okay. you don't see every day, Yeah. whether it be at the same institution, a different institution. Uh, but if, if buying a house is important to you and you need to save $20,000 for that initial down payment as a hypothetical, then chart that course. Say, if I save $1,000 a month, you know, this is going to take me a little less than two years to be able to do that. But then I can feel comfortable knowing that that money has been set aside every month right. and it's pulled out of my checking account before I can spend it and it's set aside. That's how you have to do it. You know, same thing, the, the whole 401ks where everyone thinks these are these magical, mystical retirement tools. They're not magical, mystical. Okay. The only thing that's that allows people to retire with large balances in their 401k is it came out of their paycheck every and month. And they never had it. And they never had it. Right. And it went to a separate account right. and it, you know, was invested and grew and all that stuff. But it's not because it was magical. It's just because right. it was automated. Yeah. Okay? And that goes back to everything else. So that's a really interesting point because if you don't know you have it, you can't spend it. You can't spend it. Right. You can't spend so it's just it. like it was never there. And before yeah. you know it, it's adding up in an account. You got time. it. You got it. So now the, the, okay. the buying versus renting. Okay. So yeah. now you've got the, how to go about, you know, saving for that so in America, okay, what, what is the American dream? It's to own a house. Like that's been ingrained in us for our entire life. Like that is what you do. And I think, I think it's phenomenal. I, I differ a little bit than some people. Okay. Most people say owning a home is an investment. I do not consider a home an investment. Okay. Why? All right. I consider a home an asset. 
Oh, okay. okay. We talked about that. So yes. an, an asset for me is, is something that if I had to sell that thing, there would be some monetary value that I could get back from it. But an investment for me is something that is long-term, that is appreciating at a, at a given rate, and then I can utilize that for something. Okay? Okay. I can utilize it for my retirement or to purchase something else. Whereas for a house, most likely, most likely, and, and this is not you know 100% the case, you're not going to sell your house for your retirement. Right. Okay. Because you're going to live in it or you're going to buy a new house and roll that, you know, equity into that next home. So that's why I consider a house an asset, but not an investment. And two, when you add up and, and we've done this spreadsheet before, and it's really, really, really interesting. Um, if you add up everything that goes into purchasing a house. Okay. So, so let's, let's kind of start from the beginning. You buy a house, you have closing costs. Okay. Right. That go into it. Um, if you're buying a house, you also have realtors fees. Those are typically paid for by the seller, but you've got those. Then what you've got is, um, you know, all the title insurance, everything that goes into that. Then you've got to turn the utilities on them and do a down payment there. Then you've got to mow the lawn. Okay. Then you've got the roof repairs and the hot water heater. And you've got all these other things that you don't have to deal with as a renter. I know. It's just like, as you're speaking, I'm like, oh my God, why did I buy a house? Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, oh. And, and I, I think it depends on the house and the area and all that kind of right, stuff. Right, right, but right. I, but I truly believe, and then let's say you amortize that out over 10 or 15 or 20, 30 years, okay? So you take all that compounding um, maintenance, you've got property taxes, you don't have to pay as a renter. Right. And then you've got all the fees on the back end when you sell, the 6% realtor's fees, you've got all these other things. When you really do the math, I don't think there's that much of a difference from renting. Now, it depends on the right. area. Okay, This is a very broad statement I'm saying, which I don't like doing. Um, but this is why I say there's no shame in renting until you get your finances cleaned up to purchase. Sure. I think purchasing makes sense. But I, th I see people rush into purchasing a house because we're supposed to own a home. All right. So let's clean up the credit card debt. Let's get the emergency fund. Let's build up the savings for the down payment and then buy the house. Right. Perfectly fine to buy the house. Right. But don't rush when you've got all these other things that you could be doing because you're really not missing out on something. Yeah. You're missing out on having to deal with repairs. That's what you're missing out on. Oh my gosh. It's so true. <laughs> like I, I just bought a house. I think we've been talking yeah. about that on Instagram. And, um, that was our goal last year. You and I were like, okay, let's save the money for the eggs and then let's get the house done. So I did both of those things. And, um, Literally, I've been in this house for three months. I just had to get a new dryer. Bingo, bingo. <laughs> we just finished a, a seven-month renovation, uh, and I'm sitting there going, "Why? Why did we do yeah, this?" So, yeah. I, you know, I'm pe preaching to the choir here. Yes, but it's but it's really true. If you truly add up the numbers, okay, and and there's real estate professionals, okay, that are phenomenal at what they do. So I'm not trying to harp on them or get people that are, you know, they always try to get people off the sidelines of renting and buying. I think that's that's phenomenal. It's good. But everything's within context of, of all your other finances. Yeah. Don't look at finances in silos. Don't look at my investments are over here and my housing's over here and my insurance is over there. All of those things should be coordinated together around your goals. Okay. Okay. That's the important piece to, to think about. So is buying better than renting and vice versa? No, it's in context of your situation. Yes. Uh, well, like, okay, for me, for instance, with the, one of the big things that I wanted with buying a house was, you know, I'm self-employed. I don't have some corporation that I'm going through setting up a 401k and all these things. And so in my head, because Nashville's housing market mm -hmm. is pretty great. Yep. Um, I was thinking, well, these are, you know, I want to start buying up asset. property yeah. Yeah, assets. Yeah. So yeah. I was looking at it as investments, <clears throat> but I see what you're saying. Like now, if you go buy a rental property, that's an investment. And the reason okay, well, being, what do you mean that? Okay. Okay. So let's think about that. So are we going to sell our primary residence 
to fund our retirement? Probably not. Okay. That's no. why it's just an asset on our balance sheet. Okay. But if we go buy a rental property, what is that doing? It's appreciating in value. Yeah. We're getting income from it. Right. Okay? And we could sell that and buy another property or sell it and fund our retirement with that. That's an investment. Okay. So that's kind of what, like I bought this house looking at it as this is probably not where I'm going to live for the rest of my life, but I would like to keep it as a rental, as a rental. Perfect. Love it. Okay. Good. Love it. Yep. I just needed your approval. No, 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 no. We're good. <laughs> We're good. Just think about it that way. We get so many people that think about their primary residence and, and they brag about the equity that's in their primary. Right. Re- and that's, that's great. And I'm glad they've got equity and ownership there. But if we're not going to sell it and utilize that asset, it's or utilize that asset for our retirement. It's just an asset. It's not an right. investment. Okay. So it's just some semantics on okay. how we think about money. Uh, but we love real estate. Absolutely love it. Yeah. I've got a rental property as well. So yeah. we're all all about that. But, okay. Yeah. Especially if you're in a booming like city like yes. Nashville, where it's just not slowing down with yes. growth. Okay. Versus, versus in a rural place where you right. know maybe you get some income from rent, but there's just no appreciation exactly. on that asset. It still might be an okay play, okay. but it's just different. Yeah, different scenarios. So that's, a, again, a case-by-case scenario 100%. of people's situations. Okay, so the other biggest question I got was about retirement, which is now what you and I are working on for me. Yep. This is the goal this year to really put some focus on that. You mentioned the automated savings, which mm-hmm. is how we already started discussing how we're going to do my retirement stuff. Yeah. So can you talk through a little bit about that, how important is retirement, et cetera? Yeah, I think, you know, you've got, you've got to look at... Um, you know, everything starts out with a goal for us. Okay. So, you know, one of the first things is, and, and I'll kind of come back to spending and cash for a little bit. Um, sit down, you know, it's, we're already what 27th of January, mm-hmm. sit down and identify what your goals are for 2020. And okay. I know this sounds super superficial or this sounds like, um, you know, uh, a life coach here and then that's not what I'm trying to do. But if you don't have goals and you don't have them written down, they're, they're not goals. They're just simply wishes in the right. back of your, of your right. mind. So what are some goals that, that you could have, um, buy a house? It could be, uh, buy my first rental property. It could be increase my 401k. It could be, you know, take a trip with my family. It could be, it doesn't have to always be financial. It could be read books. It could be whatever the case may be. But if you can outline what those goals are, then what we do is then we look at what is our spending going towards? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about that now. So we've got five goals that we want to accomplish. Now I open up my credit card statement or my bank statement. Okay. Right. And I see that, uh, you know, majority of my discretionary spending is going to uh, the bars on the weekend or right. eating out or things that Postmates, don't, Postmates Amazon that, Prime <laughs> that Not, don't align um, with my, what my goals are. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. We're all guilty. Like this is yes. my hands up as well. And so I think what you have to do is you have to say, number one, what are my goals? Number two, does my spending align with my goals? And if they, if they don't align, then I would encourage you cut those things out of your life. Yeah. Or reduce those dramatically because no one's going to ever look up when they're 75 years old and they're reflecting back on their life going, I am so glad I ate out a ton <laughs> or I am so glad you know, I spent X amount of dollars per month at Am on Amazon. No, because all those things are superficial. We right. opened up our closets before, and we're like, "Oh my gosh, how did I get this much stuff?" Oh my it's, god, it's unreal, unreal, and it's, and it's meaningless. It's fun to have, but it's it's meaningless. So, trying to align those goals. Okay, so that's number one. Um, cutting the spending is number two, okay. and then from there, what that does is that allows you to free up some capital. Okay, to where maybe we don't have to adjust our lifestyle that much to be able to save more. Okay, another thing to look at, kind of in the spending category, is your insurances. Um, so you want to look at am I am I paying too much for home and auto insurance? Yeah. You know, would it be make sense to have a, a broker look at those and kind of shop that across the market and see could I reduce my renters insurance or my my homeowners insurance? We recently did that. 
that um, on a refinance. And I think just the insurance is saving us like $130 a month. Really? So not a, not a ton. Wow. But yeah, but that over time bucks. that can add up. Yeah. And that's like a meal out. That's it a nice is. dinner. Yeah, it there is. you go. Or it could go towards, you know, if you had a high interest credit card debt. Yeah. There's 130 bucks yeah. so you can start putting putting towards that. Okay. So uh, that's number one. Looking okay. at, um, you know, your health insurances is always a great one during open enrollment to review. Um, you know, you can look at life insurances, those types of disability insurance. It's just great to every so often review those things because sometimes you, you get them, you just assume that they're good yeah. and things change. You might have, uh, let's use life insurance, for example. You might have had another kid. You might have had two kids. You might have purchased a new home and the value of the home is substantially more than it was when you got the insurance five, six years ago. Um, same thing, disability insurance. Maybe you had coverage and your income was X amount and you've gotten several raises since then. And so we need to increase our disability coverage. I mean, all those things you want to look at. Now, does that help out with the budget? No, but we want to make sure that we always maintain that proper insurance coverage. Okay. okay. So that's a good, good thing to do at least every two years. Okay. okay. Well, that's good to know. Two at, years. At a minimum there. Okay. Um, but going back then, so after we've cleaned up all that stuff, now looking at our retirement savings, you know, everyone's goals are different. When do I want to retire? You know, is it 60, 65, 55? Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of income do I think I want in retirement? Uh, you know, and then you can factor in how much is tax going to play into that? Cause that's a big piece of, of a retirement component. You know, if you want a uh, hundred thousand dollars a year of income in retirement, but it's all pre-tax versus after tax, that's a big deal. Okay. Cause right. if it's pre-tax, well, guess what? You might only get to take home, I don't know, 75,000 of that 100,000 uh, of income. So those are things that we need to think about. But coming back to our original discussion of automation, it's the key. It's okay. how people save, okay? So if we're automating for savings, and, and I think of savings and investing in retirement as different. Um, savings for me is saving for some event, buying a house, buying a car, getting to that emergency fund figure. That is okay. savings. Once we reach those goals, then money should shift over into the investment or the retirement category. And that's where we're trying to get a higher rate of return than what's in our savings account for a longer period of time, okay? It might be retirement. You might be saving up to the point to where you can then invest in a rental property. Right. Okay. And then that's fine too. But you know, we don't want you to look up and have, you know, $500,000 in cash sitting in the bank. Cause it's not, it's not a very good use of our money. Okay. okay. Unless your emergency fund needed to be 500,000, which kudos to you if that's what your emergency fund right. needs to be. Um, but that's kind of how we want to think about that. And then we automate that through 401ks, you know, through setting up automatic bank drafts to IRAs, to a brokerage account, to whatever your needs are. Okay. I don't know. Well, that's where, like, how do you know though? Is that just dependent on each situation? It it is. It is. It comes back to, you know, those goals of when do I want to retire? How much income do I want? All those types of things. Um, and it's, it's not a plug, you know, for me, but it's, it's working with someone that can help you number one, identify those, but then number two, think through those types of things Okay. early on. It's, it's worth paying for education. Um, I truly believe that. And that can go to anything that can go for self-help that can go for health, that can go for fitness, that can go for financial education, but sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if I think that I'm eating right because it says lean ones on my box in the, in the freezer <laughs> and I want to be, and I want to be lean, right? well, this, heck, this is, makes sense that right. I realize there's like, you know, 39 times the amount of sodium in that thing that I really need. Well, I wouldn't know that unless either A, I do the research online or B, someone goes, you know what? Lean ones don't exactly constitute a healthy meal. Okay, great. Tell me why. But now that I'm educated, I know. And now I start looking at the nutrition and all those types of things. Same thing with your finances. You might be thinking, hey, you know what? I've got a larger bank account than all my friends, which I'm glad, 
but is it time to start investing that money? Mm -hmm. And then where should it go? And how should it be invested? And what is the risk tolerance? And what is the time horizon? And that's where a professional can really kind of help identify those things and, and guide you down a path to where you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Just surround yourself with some really smart people. Yeah, I think that's huge. Because I think, uh, for me at least, money stuff is super... Uh, intimidating. It's not the way my brain thinks. Like mm -hmm. I know how to make money, but I don't know what to do with it or how much I should be spending, how much I should be saving. And it really helped to sit down and just break it down. I think it's also that thing of like one step at a time. Like yep. don't let yourself get too overwhelmed with all of it all at once. Yeah. 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 If you, um, you know, kind of look at the, the whole forest tree example, just focus on the tree for right now. Yeah. Okay? The yeah. forest will be made clear as your, as you know, time goes on and your education gets there. I know, so I, I legally I can't do uh, practice law. Legally, I can't you know give people tax advice. Those are right. you know designated for CPAs and attorneys. And so, guess what? I know a lot about that stuff. I hire that. Right. Uh, there's no way I want to touch that stuff because I know that there's value in good quality advice. There's a lot of advice out there, yeah. but we got to find good quality right. advice. So, you know, I hire an attorney, I hire a CPA, um, I have someone do my home and auto coverage, I have a realtor. Um, it'd be very easy for me to try to sell my house, you know, on my own and cut out that 3%. But guess what? I find value in that advice. And I, and I think that those people and having that team around you can help you make far better decisions than you could have done trying to piece it you know, on oh your own. Oh my gosh, for sure. And then it just frees you up to focus on the other things. That's what I want to focus on. Right, I don't exactly. want to focus on taxes. No, who no. does? <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah. Well, this has been super helpful. I really feel like we gave um, some really great answers to people. And I think the biggest one that I walk away with and that I know helped me in my life is like, just tackle the debt first. Yep. Just really get rid of that, especially like you're saying, the seven to eight percent. That's 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 okay. the high stuff and automate. Yeah. You yeah. got to automate, automate. It. automate paying it off, then yeah. automate saving it. Yeah. You know, you've got to, if you think about it, if you pull a void out of your life, okay, you've got to put something in that place. Okay. So, you know, if you were a non-financial example, if, if you're an addict and you were always used to going to the bar on a Saturday right. night and then all of a sudden you go, I'm going to stop, you know, drinking or stop using drugs or something and you just stop going you got to be careful and you don't add anything in that place to, to fill it in. You're hanging out with good quality relationships right. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Same thing with finances. So if you find that you have cleared up your credit card debt and, and that 500 bucks a month that was going to credit cards no, is no longer needed to go there, let's go ahead that first month that it's paid off and let's have that $500 automated to savings. So you're not saying go shopping. Go, well, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe $50 or $100, okay. maybe. I got to understand who our audience is. <laughs> Okay. Well, Daniel, where can people find you? Yeah. So we, uh, we're located in Tennessee, but we, we also have a, uh, work with a lot of clients virtually. So we have clients all over the country from oh, West so you Coast do do to, virtual. Cause a lot of people, another thing was, is how do I find a good financial planner or someone who can help me? So yeah. that's great to know that you can do it virtually. It is. It is kind of the old school way of thinking, you know, through things is, you know, I got to go to someone's office right. and sit across from, from the desk and, and that's fine. And we do have clients locally that, that come see us and we love seeing them, but we've got clients we've never met before, you know, that are in different States, okay. um, that we're just able to identify goals. We do a lot of, you know, screen sharing sessions and all yeah. this stuff. So it feels like you're still sitting across the room and, and we, at the end of the day, desire a good relationship with our clients. We want to make sure that the process is fun and it's not something that, you know, they're daunted by and, and right. terrified and don't want to talk about, you know, everything is on the table. Okay. So it's Burke financial group. Do y'all have a website? Yep. Yep, What's, it's uh, BurkeFG, as in financialgroup.com. BurkeFG.com. All right, you guys check out Daniel and Burke Financial Group, and thank you for listening. Thanks thank for being here. Thank you guys, here. yep.
This is Kelly Henderson, and you've been listening to the Velvet's Edge podcast. I truly believe that every one of us has a little velvet and a little edge. So it's so important to remember that to be strong, you must be soft too. Thank you so much for sharing in those stories with me. You can follow Velvet's Edge on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as velvetsedge.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me every Wednesday for more conversations on lifestyle, beauty, and relationships. Thanks for listening. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.